Thank you, Father, for the blessings that we have received. And God, I thank you that you have given us opportunity to make known the saving grace and the light of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that this Christmas we would make extra effort and recognition to realize that God, you desire for us to dispense grace. To whom much is given, much has been required. And so, Lord, I pray that uh, as we engage in these mission opportunities and these needs that are in our community and around the world, God, that you would bless them and foster them and multiply them. God, I pray also for uh, Matt and Lauren Chandler and their children. I ask God that you would uh, touch Matt's body. I pray that you would give him recovery, that you would heal him, and God, that you would use this time to glorify you that men and women and boys and girls would come to know Christ uh, through His testimony and through His witness. Thank you, God, for the multitude of blessings that You've given us. And speak to us now. In Your name I pray. Amen. We're in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. Last week we dealt with the prodigal, the younger son. Uh, This week we're going to put a little bit more emphasis on the older son. Uh, Back in 1971, there was a movie released... uh, called uh, a yellow ribbon or a tie of yellow ribbon around the tree and it was a uh, movie matter of fact James Earl uh, Jones kind of played the part of a convict who had greatly embarrassed all of his family uh, through some some terrible crimes and that he had committed and was sent off uh, to another state uh, to serve in prison for a while he had little, very little interaction with his family during that time. He was very embarrassed and very ashamed. And after, after about three and a half years, he sent him a letter and said, I'm going to be released, and I don't know if you want me back, if you want to receive me, but if you do, I want to ask you to just take a little yellow ribbon and just tie it on one of the branches of the oak tree out in front of our yard. And so the story goes, <clears throat> and it uh, presumably this is a true story, that um, he was on the bus and he met some college students while he was on that bus. And he began to talk to them and they asked him who he was, where he was going. He told them the story. He said, I'm, I'm headed home, but I don't know if my family's going to receive me. I'm not really sure what I'm going to do if they don't. But uh, he, what I told them was to tie a, a yellow ribbon on a branch outside of this huge oak tree that's on the front of their property. And if I saw that, then I would get off and I would come on inside. If not, I would just keep going. So as they approached his home and as they got a little closer, he, he told those kids in, in the song, he tells the bus driver, uh, if you see a yellow ribbon, then stop. If not, just keep going. I'm, I'm not even going to raise my head. Uh, just tell me and let me know. And so soon enough, they got there and the college student said, you need to look up and see this. And as he looked up, there were hundreds of ribbons on the tree and there was one huge yellow ribbon tied in a bow around this massive oak tree. And, of course, he he got out and went on in, and uh, that was how the movie ended. And then, of course, uh, two years later, uh, the song comes, Tie a Yellow Ribbon Around the Old Oak Tree by Tony Orlando and Dawn. How many of you remember that? That's right. Anybody over 40 are going, I don't even know what you're talking about. Go away. Uh, But nevertheless, it's a beautiful picture of what happened with the prodigal son, isn't it? Uh, A son who recognized he had blown it and that he did not deserve an opportunity to be reinstated in the family. And that's a picture of grace right there. Grace first requires us 
that we recognize that we do not deserve grace. We do not deserve it. We have incredible need, and we are in need of a gift, the gift of grace. As we look at the story of the prodigal, we saw last week the younger son uh, took his father's living, so to speak, as it is given to us there in the passage, and the father divides his earnings up, his his whole life, so to speak, of his property, and gives two-thirds to the older son and one-third to the younger son. And then the son takes it, the younger son, and he goes and he, he basically blows it. And then he finds himself in that predicament where he realizes, you know what, even a slave at my father's house is better off than I am. And so he leaves and he humbly walks back. And then we see the picture of how the father is anxiously awaiting him. He's looking out the door each day, and when he sees his son coming, he runs to his son. And he takes his son, and as his son tries to confess and tries to say how he is unworthy, he takes his son and he places his robe upon him. He takes a signet ring and places upon his finger and sandals upon his feet. And he reinstates the son into the family. The truth of it is is we all can resonate with one or two of the sons. The younger son was the son of unconformity. He was the son who determined, I'll live life my way. I'll do what I think is right. I will determine what truth is. And he goes his own way without boundaries, not being held by tradition or any authority. I want to go my own way. And then the, the older son, we see, is the son who has always obeyed the law, who's always obeyed the tradition. He's bound up in his ability to be righteous and to keep the law and to obey his father. He is the moral conformist. So you have the unconformity and you have moral conformity. You have the younger brother and the older brother. And the truth of it is, we resonate, we identify with one of them. We like to think that, no, we're in the middle. But the truth of it is, when we're pushed, we always gravitate to one side or the other. We're all either unconformist or moral conformist. And the sad part about it is, is the principle of this parable is that both are alienated from the Father. Both are alienated from God. They're each trying to be their own Savior. The older brother is trying to exercise his salvation by his ability to be right and to do what's right. The younger son, by going his own way. You know, here's the sad part about it, is I identify with the older brother. We all identify with one of those brothers. And when I'm pushed and stressed, I start gravitating toward the older brother. I start trying to pray more and make sure things are right and do more so that God will listen to me and, and have mercy on me and do what I want Him to do. Others may say when things are difficult in life, I'm just get away from me, God, right now. I'll just do it myself. I'll do it on my own. And the truth of it is we both have a propensity to go one way or the other. It's interesting, in the ancient Roman culture, when Christianity really began to take off, uh, they qualified Christianity as atheist. Those who followed Christ as atheists. Now, part of that reason was because they didn't uh, ascribe to any of the gods that the Romans had. 
But also, when questioned and asked, here's what they would say. They'd say, well, uh, tell me, where, where is your God? Well, he's, he's not of this world. He's, he's, he's in heaven, and, uh, and, and Jesus, our Savior, he was God. He came and walked on this earth, but he, he was killed. He was crucified. So your God was crucified on the cross. Yeah, that's right. Well, let me ask you this. Um, well, well, where do you worship? Well, right now we're just worshiping at homes. You don't have a temple? No, we just worship in homes and we just pray and we seek God. Okay? Well, uh, you, don't, you don't know where he is. Uh, you meet in homes. Well, what about a high priest? Who's your high priest? Well, that, that would be Jesus, the one who died upon the cross. And So you don't have a priest here on earth. No, we don't have a high priest here on earth. Well, what about sacrifices? Where, where do you offer your sacrifices? Well, Jesus, the one who died, our Savior, he... He was the sacrifice once for all, so we don't do that anymore. So let me get this straight. Uh, your God's not around, but they, they killed Him, right? And then number two, not only that, you don't have a temple. You just kind of get together in your homes or by the river or wherever. Yeah, that's right. Um, you don't have a priest or a high priest. No, that would be Jesus. And you don't make sacrifices. You're an atheist. Uh, and that's, you know what, it was tertium quid. It's a Latin word. It means of a different kind, a third type that's different from the others. So, you know, sometimes you'll even use that term or you'll hear that term used in the political races by someone who's not a Democrat or Republican. It's tertium quid. We're of a completely different sort. We're of a completely different kind. But Christianity really was. It really was. It wasn't something that you could do like a lot of the pagan religions where, quite frankly, sex and pleasure was the God. You just kind of go at it your way. And where others, particularly in Judaism at this point, has become, uh, at least by those in, in authority, become legalistic and very much into moral conformity. And Jesus comes in and He's speaking to both. He gives this parable about the younger son that's missed it. And then He's going to share about how the older son has missed it as well. Tertium quid. It's of a completely different nature. It's by grace. And you must recognize your need for it. Now, let's look at that passage again. And let's pick up here uh, in verse... I didn't bring my glasses. I never do. Um, Verse 25. Let's pick up right there, all right? We read the story last week, and Tommy read it older. But uh, the lost son has come back. Matter of fact, it closes out that he was lost and is found, so they begin to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked him, what's going on? Your brother has come, he replied. Your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry. Angry. The older brother's mad. What do you mean? That guy, he's he's been out living like crazy. He's taken taken part of the money and he's blown it. And he's, he's a just disdain. He's a blot on our family name. What do you mean we're having a party for him? That makes me mad. You ever wonder if you're an older brother, does it make you mad when people who've sinned a lot come into the church? I'm not going in there if he's in there. If she's in there, I, that church, I wouldn't go to that church. There's a hypocrite in there. When they say that, just go, older brother, older brother, older brother. There's the older brother right there. He was angry and he refused to go in. So the father went out and pleaded with him. Beautiful picture of how the father goes to the younger son 
and is waiting for him and runs to him. And then you see the picture of the older son. When the older son doesn't want to come home, doesn't want to come in the house, we see the father going and pleading with him and asking him to come in. But we see here the Scripture tells us, but he answered the father, look, a term of disrespect, look, let me tell you, all these years I've been slaving for you. That's what it's been like to be with Dad. That's what it's been like for the business. I feel like I'm a slave. I'm just doing this because I have to. Because I'm supposed to. There's no joy. No honor. It's I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Look, I have been earning my right. I'm right. I've been doing what's right. I deserve the recognition. I deserve to be upheld. And he deserves to be pushed away. And he continues on and he says, Yet you never gave me even a young goat. You never gave me anything. Well, how soon we forget. He's so tied up and so angry about the younger brother coming back. If you'll remember, when the father granted the request of the younger son, he divided up amongst his sons. So the younger son, being the younger, would have received one-third. The older son received two-thirds. So he owns, and probably part of his aggravation is, if that son comes back, he's going to be mooching off what's mine. His stuff is gone. I don't want to have to be responsible for him. But he kind of puts it upon the father. And he says, This younger son of yours has squandered all your property with prostitutes. That part cracks me up, prostitutes. How does he know this? I mean, he hasn't seen his brother in a year or two. He doesn't even know he's home. Here's there's a party. I'm sure he's been with hookers. I mean, that's you know, you, you just get all mad and at that point and you just start throwing stuff out. You know what I mean? I just think the worst case scenario and it starts coming out of your mouth at this point. And he continues on and he says this. He says, and you killed a fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me. Remember who he's speaking this parable to. This part right here is going to those in the religious authority community, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they're hearing this message, and they've been granted the law, the Torah. They have the copies. They have the Word of God. They know the history. They've been schooled. He said, you've been with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because the brother of yours was dead and is alive. He was lost. And now he's found. He was dead, but he's been made alive. Jesus giving this parable, giving this understanding of why is he associating with the, quote, sinners? Why is he associating with those who are outside, presumably, of the law and of the grace. And Jesus said, hey, when they come, it's reason to celebrate. That's great. You've been trying to keep the law. You've tried to be observant of the tradition. Now, in it, you've added much more. But it dictates your heart that you don't understand the principle of grace by not being ready to receive. And what's interesting about this whole parable is then he just kind of leaves it. He goes on. We don't know if the older brother ever has a change of ways. And at this point, certainly those that he's speaking to do not. So it's interesting as we look at that. And it's a good question for us. Are we bent toward moral conformity or toward unconformity? Or have we experienced the grace of Christ in a completely different way?
What are characteristics of the older brother? Well, first of all, uh, we can see that today. What are characteristics today in our lives? Well, when we get angry when things don't go well. Things aren't going like I wanted them to. It makes me mad because I'm praying and I'm giving and I'm serving them. Do what I want you to do. And that's, we probably would do that in public. But that's, that's kind of our attitude. That's an elder brother's spirit. Or it's mechanical and fear-based. And i got to do this so that God will bless me and He'll take care of me and He'll do these things. And we become cold toward younger brother types. We go, I just, just want to keep myself away from people who sin like that. Don't look at all. I mean, just stay away from me. A judgmental and self-oriented spirit. Lack of personal prayer life is usually a key indicator that we've really bought into that elder brother mindset. And the prayers that we do offer are all, God, do this, do that. Remember the little acronym ACTS? Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, Supplication. Most of us spend all our time in supplication as opposed to the adoration, giving thanks, confessing our need. A picture of how the younger brother came. It's a great picture into the window of our souls, whether we're gravitating toward the older or the younger brother. Also, it's interesting to see that it doesn't stop there for us. God doesn't just leave it there. He shows the picture of how the younger brother came, how grace was awakened for him. You probably maybe heard of that book not too many years ago that Charles Swindoll, Grace Awakening. Well, that's a picture of the tertium quid, of the third kind, of, of Jesus' invitation. And Christ awakens grace in our lives in multitude of ways. Sometimes it's by failure. That's what happened with the younger brother. You go your direction and it's a failure. And some people are awakened to grace as they recognize their need for Him, which again is the prerequisite of coming to Christ, our recognition. Some are like a guy that I... I I talked with last week and he accepted Christ who said, you know, there's nothing really wrong in my life today. I don't have a tragedy. I don't have anything. But I I recognize now at this point in my life I need Christ. And I believe His claims to be true and I'm ready to receive Him. It's it's, uh, finding God through wisdom, through seeking Him. Some it's emptiness. I, I have a hole in my heart as Ron Moss spoke about last week. And I just have the empty place right here. There's something that I need. And that void, that emptiness, draws them to seek Christ. In some, it's by transformation of another. It's by being with someone who Jesus has transformed their life and their witness, whether it be verbal or nonverbal, impacts you. That's what happened with me. I, I was a very much an older brother, literally, thinking that, okay, I don't... Our God, I'm, I'm not trying not to drink, smoke, and chew, and date girls that do, and all those kind of things, and say bad curse words, and whatever, and I'm going to go to church every Sunday. And I was locked into that elder brother mindset. And I'll never forget my senior year in high school working at this camp, and there were some other guys there who really loved Jesus, who had really experienced Jesus like I didn't know Him. And I recognized that I was an older brother, but they had a grace, a love relationship with Him. How did they come to that? Well, first of all, they recognized they needed it. 
And they confessed, look, God, I need you. I can't keep the law. I can't be good enough. I'm not going to be good enough a person to merit your acceptance. Number two, I not only believe, but I'm transferring my trust to whatever you have done for me on the cross through your death, burial, and resurrection from what I could ever earn or ascertain. And thirdly, Lord, I receive it. I receive your grace and forgiveness come into my life. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? Daniel Boone, the great frontiersman, uh, once was asked, uh, Mr. Boone, we know you discovered lots of different areas, but was there ever a time where you got lost? He goes, no, I was never lost, but for four or five days at a time sometimes I was confused. And maybe that's where you are this morning. Maybe you're confused. Maybe you thought by being good, by being righteous, by obeying the rules, that you are earning your way to heaven. Or maybe you thought, you know what? God just loves everybody, and in the end it will just all be fine. We just each go our own way. Or have you experienced the tertium quid of Jesus Christ a different way? That God, I am dependent upon what you've done. I haven't earned it or deserved it, but God, forgive me, receive me. I need you. That's what it's all about this Christmas. Have you received the light of the world? Have you received the risen Savior? Let's pray this morning. Father, thank You for those who are here this morning, God, that have heard this message. And I pray for any that have not received You. And for those, Lord, who, without realizing it, have found themselves as elder brothers, individuals who are doing their best, who don't seemingly need a Savior because they're doing it on their own. God, for those who have been far away from You, I pray, God, that You would open the eyes of their hearts this morning, that they might know You and receive You. And Lord, if as we do that, we will give You the praise and glory, for we know it is not by might or by power, but by Your Spirit that men and women and boys and girls are drawn. So we ask You to do that this day. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.